What's up, Buffaloians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. We're we'll going to be going into some of the Bills' latest offseason signings, including one that happened today with wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. So we'll talk about him a little bit more today. The Sabres have lost 14 games in a row. I've kind of had enough with the rants. I'm kind of just going to go on with what teams I think are legitimate contenders for getting Jack Eichel. Something I want to talk about with the Pagulas. And just kind of the whole situation with Ralph Kruger being fired. And then we're going to close off today's show talking about Nate Oates and his team's incredible run going on right now in March Madness. If you do not subscribe to me on Instagram, please give me a follow there at English Encore Podcast. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So let's start off with the Buffalo Bills who have been very active over the past few weeks since free agency has started. They brought in wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders to replace John Brown. Brought in Josh Allen's former teammate at Wyoming, Jacob Hollister, tight end formerly with the Seattle Seahawks and New England Patriots. The Bills have a new backup quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. They brought in punter Matt Hawk from the Miami Dolphins, signaling that Corey Bajorquez is no longer in the Bills' plans. But let's start off... You know, the free agent signings with bringing back one of their own in Isaiah McKenzie today. Ian Rappaport just reported the final deal um, details as far as McKenzie's deal goes. It's a one-year, $1.15 million contract, 350000 guaranteed. Just absolutely unreal job by Brandon Bean. He continues to nail everything down in free agency this is a guy that many people thought was going to walk into the open market maybe get anywhere from two to four million dollars instead he comes back to the bills he has a clear role now that andre roberts is on the texans he's going to be handling all the bills kick return and punt return duties unless they decide to split him with someone maybe they draft or another person on the roster they think is capable he's the perfect gadget player in Brian Dable's offense. It's a very cheap contract. It allows the Bills to do so many different versatile things um, on the offensive side of the ball with the jet sweeps, the end arounds. You know, just a really great job by the Bills knowing how important a player like this is, not only in the offense, but if the Bills don't bring him back, you have serious questions on your special teams, you know, which was very good last year. You're going to have to rely on either a rookie or putting a guy like Micah Hyde back there who's done it in the past. You really don't want one of your older players taking shots like that. Isaiah McKenzie's still very young, um, returned a punt for a touchdown last year in Week 17 versus the Dolphins. Clearly has a bunch of playmaking ability. He has had a little bit of fumbling issues in the past when he was in Denver with punt returns. It seems like he's kind of cleaned that up, which is a great job. Adding him there, he's not going to be a huge role um, in a wide receiver spot outside of, like I said, those end arounds, those sweeps, um, things of that nature. That's kind of why they brought in a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, 34 years old, actually birthday just the other day. Um, I think a lot of people are down on Emmanuel Sanders just based on the stats he's put up the past few years. Not to mention he's been dealing with some injury and is coming off of injury. However, I don't think that really tells the whole story with Emmanuel Sanders. He's had very poor quarterback play the last few years. Drew Brees was 
Drew Brees was not nearly the quarterback he once was. He had Taysom Hill in there at times. You know, when he was in uh, San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo was very inconsistent at quarterback. Towards the tail end of his Broncos tenure, before he, you know, the beginning of his Broncos tenure, he was going off when he was with Peyton Manning at the tail end of his career. And then he gets into the Brock Osweilers, the Trevor Simeons, the Joe Flaccos of the world. So it's very hard to evaluate Emmanuel Sanders from that perspective. This is a guy that's extremely reliable, doesn't drop a lot of balls. He is an incredible route runner. John Braun was a really good route runner, underappreciated across the NFL. But Emmanuel Sanders is an elite route runner from both the inside slot position and outside. And on a one-year, $6 million deal, I think it's an absolutely great move for the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills went after him previously. Brandon Bean talked about it before. He had tried to trade for Emmanuel Sanders going dating back to when he was on the Denver Broncos, but the Broncos didn't want to trade him in the AFC. So he ended up going to the Saints. So now he... Brandon Bean ultimately gets his guy in Emmanuel Sanders, who also used to be teammates with Cole Beasley at SMU in college. I think it's going to be a great dynamic receiving group. Emmanuel Sanders is going to help Gabe Davis, who isn't the most polished routener. He's very good on the sidelines, has big playability, very solid hands, and makes a lot of big plays. But his route running needs to get polished up. He has Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, and Emmanuel Sanders now to not only help him, but Isaiah Hodgins. He's another guy that continues to get forgotten about in his offense. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a great fit for the Bills. I think he could have anywhere from 700 to 1,000 yards. He already has raved about Buffalo, Josh Allen, and you know just a wide receiver room. And he already seems to have a great connection with Brian Dable, who he said in his press conference, they talked for over an hour on the phone. So I think this is an outstanding job and identifying position. You still, you know, needed some depth at, I was one of the people that had talked about on this podcast that I wasn't comfortable with Gabriel Davis being your outside wide receiver number two. And that's not that I don't believe in Gabriel Davis. I didn't want to force him into that role right away. I still think he needs another year to develop. And I think Emmanuel Sanders on a, like I said, a one-year, $6 million deal is a perfect placeholder. And if he does really well, you can bring him back for another year. Um, And then adding another weapon on the offensive side of the ball, Jacob Hollister. It's a very low-risk signing, one year, just over a million dollars. He already has a little bit of connection with Josh Allen and Tanner Gentry as they all play together at Wyoming. The big thing with Jacob Hollister, he's not the greatest um, blocker. So, you know, Dawson Knox is a little bit better of a blocker. We have Tommy Sweeney coming off injury. I still think the Bills will add another playmaking tight end, whether that's in the draft or for agency or via trade. We will still see they're a little bit under um, right now for the cap. They're going to be having to make some moves um, to get back right at the cap mark or have cap space. So we'll see what happens there. But he's a big red zone threat. He's 6'4", 245 pounds. He doesn't drop passes, which is something the Bills desperately need at the tight end position. Bills fans know all well and good that Dawson Knox is good for a fumble or a drop almost every single game. Um, So I think Jacob Hollister, who's dealt with some injuries in the past, um, is coming off a few good seasons in Seattle where guys like Greg Olson, Will Disley have been there, and yet he still led them in targets. Um, each year he was there, he used to play in the Bills division when he was in New England. So I think he's going to fit into the offense well. Matt Hawk brought in as a punter. Um, he's better at pinning opponents inside their 20 than Corey Bajorquez is. Um, he 
can be erratic at times, but he's also part of an elite special teams unit in the Dolphins last year. Uh, Sanders was one of the best kickers in the NFL. He signed a three-year deal with us. So we're going to have Hawk now for three years. So Corey Bjorkas' time is pretty much done in Buffalo. And then an underrated signing, and I just think this speaks to how far the Bills have come as far as an organization. Mitchell Trubisky signing a one-year $2.5 million deal with the Bills. Now, people might not look into this too deeply, but what this truly says about the Bills is that you are right there and on the contention for a Super Bowl. Matt Barkley was a great locker room guy. He did some nice things for the Bills. I wish Matt nothing but the best, but we need to upgrade that backup quarterback position. This is a guy who, if Josh Allen, because of the way he plays, Josh sometimes likes to take the big hit, try to extend plays. We've seen him get banged up last year a few times, had concussions in the past. If Josh were to, for some reason, go out with injury, Mitchell Trubisky is a guy that can come in and win you games. I'm not saying he's the same quarterback as Josh Allen, but he has way more mobility and is a way better fit in Brian Dable's offense where you don't have to completely change up your game plan when he would have to come in. You saw when the Bills had to turn to Matt Barkley a few times, the offensive game plan completely changes. If Mitchell Trubisky has to go in for Josh Allen, that's not going to be the case. He's a complete upgrade over Barkley and shows you how close the Bills are to a Super Bowl where if something were to happen, Trubisky is good enough that he can go in there and win games. He won 29 games when he was with the Bears under a very bad coaching staff and just a very bad roster put together. It's not Trubisky's fault that he was drafted number two overall. It's going to haunt him for the rest of his career, but it's a great opportunity for him to come in, learn under Josh, learn under Brian Dable, and then hit the open market again next year. And I think this is an absolutely amazing job done by the Bills front office and Brandon Bean by solidifying the back quarterback position and not have to worry about it for at least this year. Transitioning over to the Buffalo Sabres. Last week, they finally fired Ralph Kruger. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner, but every Sabres fan wish was granted. He is finally gone. However, the losing streak continues. The Sabres have now lost 14 games, um, only getting a point in one of those 14 games. Uh, the coaching search is going to take a while Something that some Sabres fans like and some Sabres fans don't. From my perspective, I think Kevin Adams is doing the right thing, taking a slow approach to this. You know, the Sabres have screwed up so much things in the past that there is no rush, you know, to hire a coach if you don't feel the thing is right. This next hiring for a coach and assistant GM, which he also said is going to be an open search, could be critical for the Sabres for the next five years, if not longer, in their franchise. Because this next coach that you bring in is going to tell you a lot. If you bring in a veteran coach like Bruce Boudreaux or a Claude Julien, Gerard Gallant, whoever it may be, and you bring in some veteran players around Jack Eichel and try to make one last go at it, I think you have a shot at keeping Jack Eichel. If you decide to go the college route or an inexperienced coach or go outside the box once again, I just don't know if Jack's going to want to deal with that again. You can call Jack a coach killer all you want. We've seen what Ryan O'Reilly's done since he's left. You know, Evander Kane, maybe the team hasn't had a lot of success, but he's still been a good player since he's left, despite all the things that he's been dealing with off the ice. The Sabres aren't in a position to be getting rid of an elite talent like Jack Eichel. And it all starts from the owners down. My biggest question with the Sabres right now is where have the Pagulas been? Like, they're nowhere to be found. 
Kevin Adams has come out and done two press conferences, said things aren't good enough. He's going to take the slow approach for the coaching search. You know, you have to take pride in putting on a Sabres uniform. Again, he said a lot of great things, things I agreed with, but until the actions start being made, I don't believe any of it. But the entire time, the Bagulas haven't said anything. They haven't come out and addressed the fan base. They haven't come out and just said this is unacceptable. They're too focused on the Bills. It is time for the Pagulas to just get rid of their ownership with the Sabres or at least bring someone in, a veteran hockey operations, whoever it may be to run this franchise because clearly they don't know how to do it. And if you're just going to be willing to throw Jack Eichel's career as a Sabre out the window, then by all means, just do it. Rip the Band-Aid off because if you're going to torture Sabres fans and we're not to do another two to three years of this and then Eichel just eventually demands a trade and wants out, just rip the Band-Aid off now. Uh, the LA Kings are a team that I'm calling if you're trying to trade Jack Eichel. They have Alex Turcotte, Quentin Byfield, a lot of first-round picks to give up. That's a deal that I'll be looking at. The Rangers, Lafayette, Kako, Adam Fox, um, Condre Miller, first-round picks galore. Um, whatever you got to do, if you want to trade Eichel, just do it. I don't want to keep being in this same offseason every year after year, you know, are we going to trade Jack? Is Jack unhappy? You know, how much longer before Jack wants out? Either make the decision that you want to get a coach in here that's going to get the job done, has experience, has shown in the past that he's a winning coach like a Boosh Boudreau, and try to build a winning product around Jack Eichel. Trade players, blow up the roster, do whatever it takes to make Jack happy, and then if it doesn't work and you want to call Jack a coach killer, then by all means. But if you're actually sitting here today thinking this is Jack Eichel's fault, like there's just, it's gone way over your head. If you haven't learned from the Ryan O'Reilly situation or just things going wrong, you can call, if Jack Eichel's a coach killer, then Rasmus Ristolainen's a coach killer. Sam Reinhart's a coach killer. Like just because Jack Eichel's a superstar is the reason he gets called the coach killer. The t- Jack or the team's going to go as Jack goes, but he hasn't had any pieces around him to make this team in any contention. They had never had an elite goaltender. Rasmus Dahlin has been a shell of himself since his rookie season. You know, Sam Reinhardt's been the only consistent offensive piece. Jeff Skinner's had a down year the last two years, and there hasn't been any other good offseason signing. They brought in Taylor Hall, who hasn't done anything. The Sabres are the joke of the NHL. The Pagulas are doing nothing. They should just get rid of their, you know, ownership rights of the Sabres, focus on the Bills, or at least they're going to hold on to the Sabres, Bring in someone who's going to run the team right, and Kevin Adams just needs to get the next move right, or else the Sabres are going to be doomed for the next 10 to 15 years. And then, closing off today's show, we'll be talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide, some St. Bonaventure, and UB Bulls. We'll start off with the UB Bulls and Bonnies, because unfortunately, they were on the losing end in the first round of both of their tournaments. So, University of Buffalo lost in the first round of the NIT to Colorado State, 75-73 of the NIT. UB had a lot of chances in that game. Um, Sagu and Graves did not play extremely well um, in in that game. Jonathan Williams performed super well. So, you know, I think he's going to be a player that is going to be a cornerstone for UB, at least for next year, him and Sagu together. I think they're going to have a real chance to push for a MAC title. Um, just didn't have it in the MAC title game against Ohio, who's making a great run of their own before, unfortunately. They were bounced out by Creighton last night. St. Bonaventure, like I said before, 
Um, in previous podcasts, got a really tough draw. They lost 76-61 the first round to LSU. Just really tough by the Bonnies. Again, Schmidt deserves so, so much credit for the coaching job he did this year. I think St. Bonaventure is in great shape um, going forward um, in the A-10. So I think that the Bonnies are going to be the best team as far as the um, Big Four and Buffalo hoops goes between them and Buffalo. And then Niagara Canisius, we know how bad both those teams are. We'll see how they go um, going forward. But Alabama, really a story here. Nate Oates, former UB Bulls coach, has the Crimson Tide rolling. They beat Iona and Rick Pitino 68-55 in their first round matchup. They avoided a little bit of an early scare by Patino and the Gales as they played really well in the first half, but eventually uh, Alabama was able to pull away. They dominated Maryland from start to finish last night, 96-77, to and they face UCLA on Sunday in the Sweet 16 at 7-15. This is the most perfect outcome that Alabama could have had coming, getting LS, or excuse me UCLA all the way through um, to this round. They were probably thinking they were going to be playing Texas, but Texas was bounced earlier. So getting to play UCLA gives Alabama an amazing chance to make it to the Elite Eight, where they will face the winner of Florida State, Michigan. I think if Michigan comes out, they'll obviously be underdogs in that game. I think they'd be favored slightly against Florida State. But I think Michigan and Florida State are going to have a really tough game against one another. And I think Alabama, if they play their game, beat UCLA pretty soundly, they're going to like their chance against whoever comes out just because of how tough that matchup's going to be for the previous team, um, whether it's Florida State or Michigan that comes out. So you're looking at Nate O's potentially taking his team to a Final Four. It's kind of a surreal feeling for Bulls fans looking at him now, what he was able to turn the UB program into. Um, just an outstanding job by UB being able to identify a coach like that. Um, and Alabama, give credit to them for getting him in there. But UB deserves a lot of credit for giving this coach a chance. And I think it only helps UB as far as the spotlight goes because they always seem to mention UB when they talk about, you know, former coach at Buffalo, CJ Massenberg, the Nick Perkins, Wes Clark, Jeremy Harris of the world. You know, he brought this team in. Got them to upset Arizona, won multiple MAC titles, um, was able to beat uh, Hurley in Arizona State in the first round a couple years ago uh, before losing to Texas Tech, who ended up going all the way um, to the finals and final four. You know, just really great job by Alabama. I really like them against UCLA. Florida State or Michigan, if they face one of those teams, is going to be a very tough game if Alabama plays their game. Um, I think they could definitely win and go to the Final Four where they would play most likely Gonzaga. The big thing with Alabama is they're very much 3 and D type team where they pride themselves on defense. And offensively, if they're not getting their threes to go, um, it's going to be very tough. I think Javon Quiverly off the bench, he was transferred from Villanova, who sat out last year, is going to be a really key piece for them in scoring off the bench in these games. So keep an eye on him, but just awesome tournament so far me and zach will probably touch a little bit on it when we record on either saturday or sunday um i will keep you all posted on instagram when that will happen so if you do not follow me there at english encore podcast please give that a follow um thank you all once again for all the support you've always shown me i will be back like i just said with zach on you know saturday or sunday we'll be doing an nba podcast episode a lot of injuries going on in the nba lebron james Lamelo ball uh Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, just injuries galore all over the NBA, how it might affect 
the playoff seeding going forward. We'll probably really dive into that as the season is really getting into the second half here um, post-All-Star break. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Also, on Wednesday, so tomorrow, keep an eye on my Instagram. I'm going to be going to the Raptors-Nuggets game, my first pro game in super long time, probably a year and a half. So I'm going to take some live shots from there and post it on my Instagram. Um, so we'll probably talk a little bit about that on Saturday as well. Um, but thank you, everyone, once again. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Yeah.